Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for coming back and hanging out with us again on another Monday here at All Things Reconsidered, where we navigate through deconstructing and rebuilding our faith together. I'm Joey, and of course, as always, Brandon's here with me today, and uh, we have a lot of fun things to get into. And by fun, I mean things that are really ticking Brandon off right now. Listen, Joey, <laughs> I'm upset. Okay? Yes, yes, I'm excited for this. So if you've listened to our podcast, you know, over the past several months now, Typically, you know, no offense, but Joey's the one that comes in hot and heavy, no upset offense. about things. No offense taken at all. I'm constantly ticked off. <laughs> and I tend to be the one that kind of simmers down the conversation, brings a little bit of balance to the conversation. Oh, sure. Like, I could say something mean about, like, Joel Osteen, and right. he'll be the one to say, no, he, he's, he's got a nice beach body, at least. Yeah, he does have a great beach body. <laughs> so okay? he'll, he does. he'll come in and, like, soften it, be like, well, he's, you know, he's got this going for him. Yeah, he deserves some credit for that. Okay. I'm serious, by the way. Just Google. Search. He really does. Google Joel Osteen Beachbody. It's the best thing on your Google history, I promise. All right, like it's it's <laughs> worth the Google search. Okay? Yeah. He's holding a surfboard. Wow. I'm not gonna say I'm jealous, but <laughs> just a little bit. Anyway, the point is, you're right. Like usually, I'm the one who's angry, and you're the one who's there to like field out the conversation, but also like kind of keep me from being too nuts. Right. Exactly. Good cop, bad cop. Right. Um, today's different, Joey. I'm upset. Yeah. Tell okay. me about it. Um, so Sean Foyt. Now, I don't know if that's the correct way to pronounce his last name. Foyt. Foyt. I need you to understand something. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. I don't care about to know how to pronounce his last name correctly. <laughs> you, that's where I am. You dislike him so much that just knowing how to say his name right. You, I could, I couldn't care less. Okay. <laughs> so he put a post up on Facebook on August the 8th. This was two days ago on okay. Sunday. Okay. Um, they did a, one of their lettuce worship nights out in Portland. Yeah. I feel like we should put a trigger warning up even before saying this dirtbag's name. <laughs> yeah. So they do one of their lettuce worship nights. Sure. And again, quick interjection. No one here is saying you can't worship God. Oh, well, yeah. No one in the government is saying you can't worship God. Yeah. Masks don't stop us from worshiping God. The vaccine doesn't stop us from worshiping God. No one's saying you can't worship God. Okay? Well, what, no one's what's... saying you, can be, you can't be a Christian. No one is saying that you can't express your worship. That's not happening. Stop saying it is. Is that what Sean is claiming? That, that... Yeah, that's what the whole lettuce worship movement is about. Well, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Give us some background. So whenever COVID first started, uh-huh. okay, and they started, he's based out of California. Okay. Um, and all of, you know, the gathering restrictions started going in place. Sean was like, how about No. <laughs> Right. And we're going to keep worshiping. Let us worship. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, sure, wear a mask when you go. Mm-hmm. Like, just wear a mask. Yeah, or even just attend churches online for or a short period of attend time. Churches it's not the end online. of the world. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, our church, yeah, we didn't like it. Mm-hmm. We're not saying we enjoyed having to go in and do recordings. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to make sure that we were following local and state guidelines. And that people were safe. And that people were safe. Yeah. It's a, so, it's a legitimate disease that's killed a horrible amount of people. Right. Like, and it, it's it, it's a serious thing. And it, it's a matter of caring for your neighbor to just honor certain restrictions that keep people safe. Right. And even if you don't agree with them. Yeah. Wh- like, whatever. You know. Whatever. Just just get over it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so he has this whole let us worship thing. Yeah. And so he's been traveling the country now for... A year and however long, eight months, almost two years now. Okay. Doing concerts, hashtag let us worship. Okay. Okay. So he recently had one in Portland and uh, here's his Facebook post. We're going to try to screen cap it and put it 
right here. Here-ish. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, says, help me give thanks to our security team, half of them here, tonight in Portland. American flag. Flex. <laughs> These are all ex-military, ex-police, private security, and most importantly, lovers of Jesus and freedom. Mm. If you mess with them or our First Amendment right to worship God, you'll meet Jesus one way or another. Winky face. Hashtag wow. let us worship. Wow. Joey, I'm upset. Yeah. No, I am very upset too, but I want you to have the floor. <laughs> so please go ahead. I mean, oh my God. Okay. We can get into so many different things with this. You know, the, the Christian obsession with violence. I should say evangelical yeah. obsession with violence. Yep. Um, the, the fact that he is threatening violence in a place where he's supposed to be worshiping the Prince of Peace. Correct. And that he doesn't seem to see the irony yep. of, of worshiping the Prince of Peace and then turning around threatening violence on the, the internet. Yep. All right, but why don't you go for it, man? So Tell me about it. Let's break this image down a little bit, okay? Yeah. So we have Sean Foyt mm-hmm. crouched out front with his acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Now, painted onto his acoustic guitar, he's a Christian worship leader. Right, okay? right. What do you think is on the guitar, Joey? <sighs> the American flag. The American flag. I haven't seen the post. Joey, American the American flag, flag mm-hmm. is on the guitar. Of course. Okay. Well, he is an American evangelical worship leader. So, yes, of course, the flag has to be a part of their worship Correct. set because that is what they worship. Freedom, baby. You think they put the cross out there? No. Now, if it is, the, if they do have a cross imagery, it's draped with the American flag because that is what they are truly uh, worshiping. You know, that that is the focal point of their entire religion is American iconography. Right. Now, in this image, there's about 30 to 35 people. I'm just trying to do like a quick rough count of them. Okay. That is supposed to be a security detail. That is only half of them. Wow. Meaning there's about 60 to 70 people Mm -hmm. armed. Yeah. Armed individuals Mm -hmm. to protect Sean Foyt. Yeah, while he's leading worship. Do you think that's paranoia or is that overcompensating for something? I don't know. I like I, I don't I don't even care at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my okay. So his whole thing was I guess Antifa allegedly was like threatening violence against the people. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That also is not a good thing. Yeah. I am not encouraging people to attack other people. Sure. Okay? But Antifa is hardly even like an actual cohesive organization with like a leader. Right. Antifa is just more so a group of people who are anti-fascist. So right. the idea that they, as a collective group, issued a formal threat, I, I, I'd have yeah. to see the proof. I highly doubt that. And so following up on some of these, allegedly, you know, there were Antifa members there attacking people mm-hmm. as they were leaving the thing. Terrible. I, like, I am not here for that whatsoever. Oh, well, yeah, violence, you know, no matter what side you're on, violence is not the answer. Correct. Yeah. But if we are going to sit here and say mm-hmm. the correct response as a Christian to threaten violence against us mm-hmm. is threatening violence against them. Mm-hmm. So misses the image, the express written image of Jesus yep. portrayed at the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, yeah. We are Sean mm-hmm. is a Bible literalist. Yeah, he's an inerrant, infallible. Mm-hmm. Bible believer. Every word is breathed from God and it's inspired. Every it's word infallible. is literal. Every word is inspired. Yes. Every word is truth. And yet, whenever Jesus is being captured by the Roman government mm-hmm. and Peter chops off one of their ears, yeah. 
Jesus doesn't rebuke the soldiers attacking him. Yeah. Jesus rebukes Peter. Yep, exactly. And then heals the people there to capture him, mm-hmm. to kill him. Jesus knew exactly what was going on mm-hmm. when they raided the garden. I know. Jesus I know. knew he was there. They were there to arrest him, to crucify him. And yet he heals them. And yet he healed and them. He, and he didn't have his squad armed to the teeth and saying, you know, you guys want to come and meet me? Fine, go through these guys. They're going right. you know, to help you meet the Father. He didn't do that. He, right. he, he told his people to put their swords down. Yeah. He told his people to forsake the, the violent natures of, of, you know, what they were used to, right. of, of humankind. Right. And to turn the other cheek, to give their, you know, he said, if someone steals your shirt giving your jacket also exactly like he modeled everything about if your Jesus enemy wants life. you to walk a mile walk to yeah everything about jesus's life and teaching was expressly anti-violence yeah and yet here's sean yeah complete opposite and that's incredible and like i get i i don't get it like you you yeah. guys you guys if you have listened to this podcast mm-hmm. for any sort of time mm-hmm. you know where i come from i'm very much the devil's advocate i try to understand you know the other side i may not agree with it but i try my best to understand it and give some voice to it okay sure sure this is not something i can get behind on any level yeah the evangelical embrace of, of violence in in all of its forms it is the perfect example of just how far we have drifted from the message of Jesus. Correct. It, it's completely opposite, and that's why I can say that American evangelicalism is its own separate religion, com- completely separated from the actual teaching of Jesus. Right. It is a uh, like caricature of Jesus. Yes. To look at Jesus on the cross, giving his life completely free, you know, to, to people who are killing him without any sort yes. of you know payback and violence, without any sort of vengeance just freely giving his life and then still turn around and think that he is a God who would endorse our violence. Right. I mean, it's completely missing the entire nature of Jesus. And the problem is, is this goes back to, and this is why Joey and I rally so hard against Old Testament or the way that the evangelical church reads the Old Testament. Yeah. Because I, I don't know Sean. Yeah. I don't know most people in that camp, but I can almost freaking guarantee. Mm Mm-hmm that they would use things like Joshua to justify their violence. Oh, yeah. They would use all of those, kill everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. kill all of the uh, the infidels, essentially. Yeah. Well, and they, they use the Old Testament as justification. Absolutely. Because God, God mm-hmm. used violence to protect his chosen people. Therefore, I'm justified in using violence to right. protect myself because I'm trying to worship Jesus. Exactly. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) You got this all wrong. No. And that's why Peter, Mm -hmm. again, I know we talked about this last week or the week before, Mm -hmm. whenever Peter's like, there's no way I'm going to let them kill you. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And Jesus rebukes Peter Mm -hmm. for saying, I'll protect you from the cross. Yeah, exactly. Because Jesus said, we do not impose the kingdom of violence Mm -hmm. or the kingdom of heaven through violence. Exactly. 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 That is what makes the kingdom of heaven different from the kingdom of man. Right. Every other kingdom in mm -hmm. human history has imposed itself through violence. Yeah. And Jesus came to flip that script and say, want to know how the kingdom of heaven comes? Laying down your life, not just for your brother, but for your enemy. Well, this is the 
This is the hallmark of American evangelicalism. It is an embrace of American might and military and even a worship of American wars or or basically a a baptizing of American wars into being a war for good, a war for Christ, a war for God. Um, You know, there's... And so that, that that's how we respond to American military. But then even in personal life, we, we are gun toting, you know, we oh, all yeah. think that we're some sort of like John Wayne movie right. character, like fighting for justice. We think that it's our role as Christians to fight evil. Right. And so violence very much exists within the Christian evangelical world yeah. because we like it. We protect it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, even in American military history, the church, unfortunately, um, throughout, I guess, starting really like um, during the Cold War or maybe even a little bit yeah. before, the church has basically thought of itself as its main role being to support the ambitions of America. Correct. And including its violent and bloody wars. Right. You know, um, I was listening to Brian Zahn preach the other day, and he was saying that he even saw um, a video in Russia where a Russian Orthodox priest was anointing uh, Russian tanks with, with like, like anointing it with oil. And that is unfortunately very much what American uh, Christian right people oh, yeah. do too. Absolutely. We think that God is with us in our waging of war. Right. So basically American Christians think that we are called to fight evil, but the yeah. Bible doesn't say that we're called to fight evil. It says we're called to stand against evil. Correct. And those are very different things. Yeah. When you stand against evil, it means that I won't be formed by evil. Yes, right. there's evil in this world, but I will not change who I am. I will not conform to the evil. I'm going to continue to represent Jesus and be good to my neighbor, and I won't be changed by evil. To fight evil is to is to essentially think that we're supposed to defeat other people in the name of God. Right. That we're supposed to uh, use violence to stop evil, but then in that we ourselves be made are made evil. Yes, exactly. You know, we we sacrifice who we are called to be in Jesus for who we think we're supposed to be to be a good American. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that. Um, this all really started, if you read uh, the book Jesus and John Wayne, um, the author exp- shows the history of how American evangelicalism was so um, captured by, into this, this devotion yeah. to American military. And a lot of it comes from people like James Dobson or Jerry Falwell, and even before that, Billy Graham was a huge voice into that direction. Right Now, Billy Graham did a lot of wonderful things, obviously. Um, and he, especially for his time, was really great regarding race issues, um, especially for his time period. Right. So there's some things he did wonderfully, but he absolutely was a huge advocate of American military presence in other countries. He, he was with Nixon. He was with Johnson and he, he fought for the, the Vietnam war. Yeah. Um, and so that set a precedent, uh, where that was, Basically, where the Christian right turned was in thinking that our military is blessed by God, so anything they do is what God wants to do. We're this holy army. Right. I mean, it goes back to the days of the Crusades. Yeah. You know, and that's essentially what it is, is we think that the the Crusades Mm -hmm. were the right way to share the gospel. Yeah. You know, I was... What is the irony of that? And so here's what frustrates me, too, is, you know, you look at, like, Ephesians, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. So Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God. Right. You may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, mm-hmm. but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this right. present darkness. Right. Cosmic powers. Against the spiritual forces 
of evil in heavenly places. Mm -hmm. And we make that literal people for some reason. Yeah. And that is not at all what they're talking about. And it's it's also incredible to me how Jesus defeated those cosmic powers in his death. Yes. You know, the, he says, you know, uh, the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, it said that he made a show of them right. openly, of these spirits, that he, he made a show of them openly. And do he, you want to know how to solve every call that Peter, Paul, James, literally John, every writer yeah. of an epistle? Yeah. In the New Testament, do you want to know how to live up to those standards? Yeah. Look at the life of Jesus. Yeah. Because that is exactly what they were doing. They looked yes. at the life of Jesus and said, okay, so this is how Jesus lived. This is the standard that you're supposed to live up to. What we do, we take, you know, our struggle is not against enemies mm -hmm. of, of flesh and blood and say, mm -hmm. okay, well, Joshua, though. Mm -hmm. But Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua in the Old Testament, he, he slaughtered everybody. Yeah. He, and so. Yeah. What Paul is saying there is just like Joshua killed all of the people, mm -hmm. we need to find people of different religions because different religions are evil. Yeah. And if they don't become Christians, then they're powers that are trying to exalt themselves to high places and we have to kill them. I That makes sense to me, Brandon. I don't see the issue there. Whenever Jesus yeah. is like, no, lay down your life for your brother. If your enemy wants you to walk a mile, walk two. Yep. And I'm going to die to defeat my enemy. He modeled exactly what he was saying. Yes. By being a martyr. Correct. He showed that even if someone is threatening to kill you, you don't resp respond in, in, in that same evil spirit of, of violence. Right. The, you let yourself die. You let yourself be martyred if need be. Yeah. That's what it means to stand against evil. Like, it means that no matter what you do, even if you want to kill me, I refuse to be formed by the evil world and right. turn in, in the, into that same fight fire with fire evil direction i will even be martyred to stay where i'm supposed to be the irony <laughs> the irony of looking at the christian the american christian persecution complex yeah of you know we've showed the tiktoks yeah of people being like i will stand mm -hmm. and i will i will not deny jesus yeah and I will not take the mark. I don't care what it takes. I'll I'll be martyred. Mm -hmm. You know, if the government is trying to be oppressive, yeah, and the government makes me wear a mask, I I will not be persecuted against. Right, right. But uh, there's some Muslims down the street that I don't like, and so we should kill them. We should bomb a nation that I can't even find on the map. I'm yeah. sure it's the right thing to do. Right. And, and then you have, um, you know, Antifa coming and apparently threatening you. You know what is interesting to me is that the apostles would go into towns where they know they could be killed. Correct. Where they know they're facing violence. They would, they would face that threat of violence every day. Yeah. And did they grab some swords and defend themselves? No. They knew that they were in danger, but they... they basically embrace that as part of the Christian life. Right. Now you have uh, uh, Sean, who rather than just looking at, okay, so someone's making threats, well, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel, and if they kill me, they kill me, yeah. and then that's the gospel, and I'm martyred. He says, no, 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 we better get the security team no, let's to come get, surround me. Let's get these boys mm -hmm. in here with their guns and let people know if you even think about messing with mm -hmm. my First Amendment right. And it's I love imposing, that we have to tie in the Constitution to it. Oh, I know, because the Constitution is part of their Bible. That's 
what I'm saying. You know, sacraments are things that are sacred. In the yeah. Church of American Evangelicalism, their sacraments, their sacred things are, are the, the flag and the Constitution and yep. the Bill of Rights. I mean, that, that, those are their sacraments. Right. And that's why they tie it into all of their services, to all of their imageries. Everything they do is because that's what they're really calling sacred. Yeah. And, and so instead of embracing a martyrdom spirit, which like I said, you know, martyrs through all of church history were the highest, most revered yes. you know, group of people in the church. You yes. Know? If you were a martyr, mm-hmm. okay, that pretty much guaranteed that you'd be elevated to sainthood. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, but, but, and then we have people today who pretend to be martyrs when they have to wear a mask, they act as if they're being martyred. Right. But then when an actual threat comes, they're immediately like, well, I can't, listen, I'll take you out. Yeah. I'll take you out. I'm not actually going to be martyred here. It's like, they want to pretend to be one when it like suits them. And when it makes them, it gives them like credibility to stand on, or it it makes them win an argument. It makes them look sympathetic. They pretend to be a martyr, but then a real threat comes their way and, yeah. yeah. And like <laughs> and then, and they and they get security team to prevent it. And so something I'm going to start working on for the channel mm-hmm. um is a history of the church fathers. Cool. Um, Let's do it. So that's going to be a video series that comes out down the road mm-hmm. um where we just kind of talk about things, but so you have martyrs and then under martyrs you have confessors. Okay? Right. So right. you have like Maximus the confessor. Right. Now, what would happen to confessors, Joey? They preached the gospel so much in places that they weren't allowed to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. They weren't killed like martyrs were, but they had their tongues chopped off. Yeah, they were they had their tongues chopped off. Yeah, for confessing their faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. and yeah. yet they still did it. And one, what they didn't do, they didn't threaten violence. Yeah. So I think I think it'd be beneficial to this conversation about Christian nonviolence. Yeah. To just go through the life of Jesus, because a lot of people, when they hear um, a Christian like you or I talk about how Christians shouldn't be violent. They kind of think of it on just like a moral level. Sure. Like just morally a good person shouldn't be out there trying to shoot people's heads off. Right. It's yes, that's true. But we're Correct. not making this statement just from a moral standpoint. We're making the statement because as followers of Jesus, we notice in the life of Jesus how he modeled nonviolence. Yeah, exactly. And how he taught that that is the way of the kingdom of heaven. Right. Um so that's why Above everything else, that's why uh, we feel this is so important. Yeah, um, Jesus didn't just teach nonviolence on the Sermon on the Mount; he displayed it. Right. Um, so, a great example is when in the book of Luke it talks about Jesus going to a synagogue and he takes out the scroll of Isaiah and he finds verses in Isaiah where he's talking about himself. Yeah. Um, well, where Isaiah is talking about the coming Messiah. Real quick interjection: that's one of my favorite stories too. Yeah. Is uh, whenever Jesus is resurrected again. Right, yeah. and he's walking with the two disciples down the road. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, these people walk with Jesus for three and a half years. Right, like they should have recognized Jesus. They didn't recognize Jesus. So they're walking down the road, and it says he took them through the entirety of the Old Testament, revealing himself to them. Yeah, so like yeah. Jesus, is like, so remember all them stories. Mm-hmm. Here's me in every single story that you heard growing up, yeah. and they're like, "Who yeah. is this guy?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it said that their mind, their eyes were open to who he is when he broke bread with them. When he, yeah, whenever Jesus sat down at the table with mm-hmm. them and was like, "Okay, fine, you didn't get it. Let's eat a meal together." And then they got it. And then I they got it. I think there's a conversation to be had there about. Um, <laughs> teaching theology versus just simply having a meal with someone yeah. and, and just, just loving someone and yeah. how Christian, how Jesus is displayed through our just love even more than our, you know, intellect and our knowledge and our, our arguments. Jesus's disciples didn't mm-hmm. even recognize him mm-hmm. until he showed them. I'm going to have a relationship with you. Yeah. 
There's a lot to go there, but that is not, <laughs> that's not, that's not for today's topic, but that, that's good, man. Um, no, but so anyway, so Jesus is reading the school of Isaiah. He's yep. in the temple and he reads a passage, which you can just flip back a few books in your Bible and yeah. find what he's reading at the same time. And you can hold them up side by side and you'll notice something interesting here in Luke. So in Luke chapter four, he's reading Isaiah and he, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he stops right there. Yep. And the Bible says that the people were stunned, that the people listening to him were stunned. Right. Why were they stunned? Well, for one, I guess they thought it was crazy that the carpenter's son was, was claiming preaching. these things. But the, the if you go and read Isaiah, you'll notice that in the original verses that Jesus was reading, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually end where Jesus ended it. Right. In the original verse that he's reading from Isaiah, six, Isaiah 61, it's the full version ends with to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance right. for our God. Yep. But Jesus stopped mid sentence. He refused to finish the sentence and and affirm Isaiah's vision of a day of violence, right. of vengeance. And that's why the crowd was stunned. They were stunned because this carpenter son thinks he has the authority to edit Isaiah. Thinks he has the authority to pull out that verse and essentially cut it in half because he didn't want to affirm that part of it. Right. And of course he does have the authority because he is the word itself, but that that's what made them so stunned. He gets halfway into a sentence and then rolls it up and sits down. And here's the funny thing too is Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also rebukes the devil for not finishing verses. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. whenever Jesus is being tempted, so when are people yeah. like, Oh, well Jesus probably just didn't finish the verse for whatever reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that part didn't apply to him at, right. at that time. Right. No. Jesus, whenever he's being tempted, the devil's like, you know, why don't, why don't you just, you know, he'll give the angels charge over you. If right. you, you know, right. unless your da- foot dash against the stone. And he's like, well, it is also written, don't tempt the Lord your God. Right. So Jesus very much knows the scripture. Well, he Jesus is, very much knows the word. Yes. And he made a conscious choice here. That wasn't an accident. Right. He made a conscious choice to refuse to finish that verse yep. where it says the day of vengeance. He's saying, I'm here for proclaiming good news to the poor. Correct. You know, I'm here for for all, for everything else that we've listed, you know, in this verse for, yeah. for proclaiming that this is the day of the Lord's favor. I'm here for that, for setting the captives free. I'm all about that. Right. Let's but do this, it. But this part that Isaiah said about the day of vengeance, I'm not going to be here for that. Isaiah kind of missed it. Yeah, he missed it there. And Isaiah, you know, what's interesting about Isaiah is he even in other verses shares his dream that he sees in the spirit of a future where the Messiah comes and we turn our weapons into tools for harvest. Right. You know, he says that that spears will be bent into pruning hooks and, and swords into plowshares. And he's talking about a future where we no longer are trained for battle, where nations no longer have armies because there's right. just no need for them. Right. And so it's, it's interesting that he would have that dream of a future in which there's peace on earth, but then also still say there's a day of vengeance. Because and that think, was Isaiah's understanding of how God works. Exactly. I think that ju- that just shows where he was spiritually, that he believed that God was going to come in, in vengeance, and then there'll be peace. Right. That that day of peace where we turn our swords into pruning hooks or whatever the verse says, and there's no more armies, that would only happen after Jesus has made peace by killing all the bad guys. Correct. And so even Isaiah still had that very earthly kind of yeah. understanding. But Jesus showed, I will have, you know, you will be turning your swords into plowshares. Yeah. 
we will not be needing armies. That part's true, Isaiah, but we're not going to get there by killing everyone. Right. Jesus understood that when we try to fight evil, the temptation becomes too great for us to employ evil to fight evil. Right. Thus making us evil. So he was teaching, we'll get to that dream of Isaiah. The dream of Isaiah became a, a, a was initiated in Jesus's death and resurrection. Correct. And he did so without having to kill anybody. Correct. The, and Isaiah's ultimate desire was not for the vengeance. It was for everything else leading up to that. Exactly. He just thought that we would have to go through the vengeance of God Correct. to get to it. But Jesus showed, I'm going to get us to Isaiah. Isaiah's dream, but I'm not going to do it through through violence. Right. I'm not going to do it through the day of vengeance. I'm going to do it through my own sacrifice. That's very much a I know what Moses said moment. Mm-hmm. I know what Moses said, but what I'm telling you is this. Yes. This is Jesus saying, I know what Isaiah said, and that is all me. This is all me. Except for when we get to this vengeance part. That exactly. That's not how this is going to be accomplished. And that's why it's so frustrating with people like Sean and other Christian nationalists use the violence of the Old Testament as like an excuse for God being violent today or right. saying like, well, that's why we, it's okay for us to be violent. Look, even Jesus didn't use the violence of the right. Old Testament to excuse himself of violence. God didn't use the violence ascribed to himself in the Old Testament. Yeah. He said to accomplish what he wanted to do. The through greatest Jesus. prophet of all time claimed that I was vengeful and I'm still, that's I'm, I, I could fulfill his expectations and be vengeful, but I won't. Right. And I am vengeful. Not just not towards the people. Yeah, towards <laughs> towards sin and death itself. That's right. why he came to defeat that. But right. But yeah, do you have other examples of Jesus' life where we can pull from? I mean, another. It's just this toss up here, Joey. The cross. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, we kind of brought it up earlier, but we look at everything else leading up to the cross too. You know, Jesus being captured in the garden. Yes. And healing the people that are there to capture him to yeah. take him to his death. Okay? Yeah. You have him being tortured. Before the cross, mm-hmm. with the cat of nine tails and the crown of uh, the crown of thorns, right, and all of that, and all this violence being just put onto Jesus, yeah, okay. And something that we forget too is they mocked Jesus when he was on the cross. Yeah. If you're God, come down from there. Yeah, if you really are God, come down. He could have. Mm-hmm. He sure could have. Yeah, you know. And we look at we look at Sodom and Gomorrah and say, well, God was so cosmically pissed off, he burn that entire city to the ground. You think for one second that Jesus couldn't accomplish that if that's what God really wanted? Yeah. If that's how God really reacted to these things? If God was that reactionary over a city, don't you think he would have reacted even worse over his own son like right. being killed? Correct. You know, but that that's per, that's proof right there. The fact that the people who were killing God weren't right then and there struck down by lightning is proof of God's mercy and love and the fact that he doesn't respond with violence. And Jesus' exclamation of, Father, Mm -hmm. forgive them. Exactly. For they know not what they do. Yep. Jesus, when he's being murdered Mm -hmm. by the state and by the people, mind you, okay? It was allegedly put to a vote. Who do you want? Mm -hmm. Do you want this thief and murderer? Yeah. Or do you want the son of God? Crucify Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus, in that moment, being murdered, says, forgive them. Exactly. That was Jesus' response to being murdered, was mm-hmm. forgive them. And when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do, he forever put to rest the argument that God is violent. Correct. He forever ended the debate that God is a vengeful, violent God. Right. Because if he ever had a time to be vengeful, it was right then and there. And he chose forgiveness. Yeah. And that is his modeling of the new world. When Jesus um, was resurrected, 
It was the initiation of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Right. Of a new creation that had begun that day. Yep. And the first words that Jesus spoke in this new world was the word peace. Yeah. And that is the precedence that he is setting for this new reality. It's such a beautiful image, too, because of all of the things that Jesus could have said when he was resurrected, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, I preached a message on this one time. Yeah. Is... Jesus healed people. Yeah. Jesus walked on water. Yeah. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus did all of this stuff, okay? And he says, my peace I leave with you. Yes. Of all of the things that Jesus could have said before he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, Mm -hmm. before he comes back, he says, what I want you to have, all of the characteristics you've seen in me, all the miracles that you've seen me perform, every single thing you have seen me do, the most important thing I want you to have is peace. Exactly. Because that is what he came to accomplish on this earth. Correct. Is to undo the violent system of empire, of, of, of the violent systems of the demonic, essentially. That's right. how the demonic operates in, in humans, is through violence. Correct. And he dismantled that through his own peace, where even just through accusation, he refused to speak. Yeah. You know, um, I could learn a few things from that just on social media. <laughs> but When Jesus is on the boat and the boat's freaking out and he's sleeping, yeah. and the disciples are like, don't you care about us? He doesn't rebuke him for being afraid of the water. Mm-hmm. He rebukes him for not believing that God cared about him. Yeah. He's yeah. like, listen, I'm able to take a nap. I'm so at peace. Mm-hmm. I can take a nap in a storm that your word is going to kill all of us. Exactly. I think another example of, of the life of Jesus modeling peace over violence is when he rides in on the donkey. Yeah. Um, you know, it, what's interesting about that is that while he's riding in on a donkey on the other side of town that same day, uh, uh, not Caesar. Um, Pilate. Yep. Was coming into town, uh, on a war horse, and yep. with a whole war procession, you know, right. a whole parade of, of soldiers making way for him. So Pilate was coming into town basically to keep security because they know that with the coming festivities, that they, they were worried that there could be a, a Jewish uprising essentially. So right. they bring in Pilate with his big war uh, procession to threaten intimidate. intimidate. Right, and on the other side of town, Jesus, who many people at that time were hoping would be a, a violent and, and military-like force against Rome. The new Rome. Joshua. Yeah, they were hoping for that. He doesn't come in on a war horse. He comes in on a donkey. And it's a sign of I'm here in, in peace, that I'm, com- I'm not coming to kill or to fight or to carry a sword. Right. I'm coming in peace. And um, I think that you know it, it's even interesting to note that the word Hosanna actually means save now. Yeah, And it was when the crowd was welcoming Jesus and yelling Hosanna, that wasn't really the happy picture that we paint on our like Easter Sunday right. morning services where the kids come in with little leaves and they're yep. all like, it's not exactly like that. What they meant when they were saying save now was they were saying like, bring the violence. Right now. Right now. Let's, <laughs> right let's, now. We are ready to be your angry mob. We're yep. ready to pick up our weapons, save now, and let's go take this fight over to Pilate. Yep. And Jesus refused to, to bow to that expectation. He wrote in on... On the lowliest of mm-hmm. animals. Yeah. As Pilate is riding in on this decorated yeah. horse. Yes. This, you know, this beautiful specimen of an animal. Yes. Yes. Armored up, weapons. Jesus is riding in on a donkey. Yeah. Okay. And I love how that mirrors to 
um, revelation. Mm, yes. Okay. Well, people always say, okay, well, Jesus came peacefully in the in the first time. Right. But he's going to come back violently. Yep. So Jesus yeah. riding in on his horse. You yeah. know, he's got his tattoos. Yeah. King of kings, Lord of lords. He's got his sword. Right. And he's got that robe dipped in blood. Yeah. Okay. So, so obviously Jesus is there to, to mess some stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. But what we kind of miss is first, okay, the sword is coming from his mouth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are his words. Yeah, it's obviously symbolizing his words. It's like, not a literal sword. Obviously. It's not even words. it's not even the only time in the Bible where the word of God is compared to a sword. Correct. Paul Paul does it. He says the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Right. So like it's even this is done multiple times in the Bible, yet we still miss it and think it's a literal weapon. Because we miss where Paul, where the word of God has not the word of God being the Bible hasn't been written yet. Right. Paul calling Jesus mm-hmm. the word of God. Yeah. Is sharper than any two-edged sword. Yeah, exactly. Like, Jesus has already been referred to in this manner. Yeah. So John, when he has this vision, already knows about Paul, (laughs) already knows that Jesus has been talked about this way. Yeah. So he's talking to his readers Mm -hmm. who would have seen Paul's letters or heard of Paul's letters. Yeah. Comparing Jesus to a sword. Yeah, exactly. And so now the sword is coming from Jesus's mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay. These words of peace. Jesus was murdered for his words. Okay, Jesus was murdered because the state was intimidated by the messages that Jesus was preaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Jesus was murdered because he called himself Son of God. Yeah. Jesus's words have always been a sword. Exactly. They've always been a sword. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now we have the robe dipped in blood. Yeah. Okay? The interesting part about that, though, is the robe is already dipped in blood when Jesus arrives. Exactly. It's bloodied before he even gets to the planet Earth. (laughs) Because the blood is not the blood of Jesus' enemies. Exactly. Jesus never celebrates the blood of his enemies. Yeah, yeah. Jesus always heals his enemies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The blood is his own blood that was shed to impose the kingdom of God. Yeah. The blood is the blood that represents the beginning of new creation. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So he's showing that that victory over the violence and empires of, of man, victory over sin and death, is established through his words and through his self-sacrifice. Yeah. It's not a picture of Jesus showing that he's going to fight violence with violence. Right. Um, you know, people today, like Sean Feud, or, or, or however you pronounce his last Fouch. name. Fouch. I, 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 I don't know. Sean. Foyt. Foyt, Feud, Fouch, who knows. People like Sean... Uh, they don't like this idea of a nonviolent, peaceful, prince of peace Jesus. Right. So they replace him. When when those people were saying save now, they were hoping that Jesus would be uh, Alexander the Great, a Judas Maccabeus. Right. You know, in our or like how we would think of it, a William Wallace or George Washington yeah, or a General Patton. Right. We they are hoping for this violent leader who will rule by force. And when Jesus refused to be that person for them, they switched to saying crucify him. Yeah. <laughs> today, yeah. today when Jesus refuses to be that person for people like Sean, they may not say crucify him, but they replace Jesus. Right. They replace him. They with make their Jesus own, look how they want him to look. Exactly. They replace him with their own caricature of Jesus. Right. Their own like marred image where, where they've taken the christ on the cross and they've turned him into a william wallace or, yeah. or like a general Patton. and and it's so it's so interesting how you how you brought that up too and i, I love that breakdown mm-hmm. of you know the jews saying yeah save us yeah you're the one that says you're supposed to save us yeah like you're the guy 
Okay. Yeah. We've heard your messages. We've heard where you claim to be the son of God. We, we've seen you heal people. We've seen you do all of these things. Save us. Yes. Save us now. Yeah. Please. In Jesus, those same people saying save us say crucify him. Because mm-hmm. once crucify him because he's not the God we wanted him to be. Exactly. He's not the God that we read about. Mm-hmm. He's not the vengeful God that Joshua showed us he could be. You know, tearing down the walls of Jericho, right. going in and murdering everybody in the camp, right. killing God's enemies. He's not that God, so crucify him because he can't be the real God. We don't want him. They were so disconnected from the real image of God mm-hmm. because they didn't read the Old Testament. The The Old Testament God that they read about mm-hmm. was incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that's absolutely true. And I want to, I want to just um, uh, clarify uh, the idea that the Old Testament God was incorrect. Right. Just so people, just so people understand where we're coming from. Uh, our understanding of the Old Testament violence is that uh, essentially that was the understanding that man at that time had about God. Correct. But Jesus eventually uh, corrected our false understanding exactly. of who God is. Um, you know, the idea of like, how do you deal with the violence of the Old Testament? That's actually a very common issue that leads to people deconstructing yeah, their faith. Yeah, absolutely. Is they read about the Prince of Peace, but then they flip back to read the origin story. <laughs> and they're like, wait a second, this feels like an entirely different God. Yeah. And that's even been one approach to how to deal with the violence of the Old right. Testament. Um, some people, um, I think it was the Gnostics or, or someone, I, I could be wrong about that, but there were groups of people back in the day who, um, in the early days of the church, who argued that maybe the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the as Jesus, that these right. are two separate gods, and that they're even at war with each other. Right. Now, I don't believe that, neither do no, you. No, absolutely not. But that just goes to show how much of a problem we have here, of how different it seems to be. So how, an, an issue with, with believing that thought mm-hmm. means that God would have to contradict himself. Yes, it does. So either God changes or God contradicts himself. And yes. he can do neither one of those things. It's also a very dangerous thought to say, you know, um, I've seen some people say that maybe the Yahweh of the Old Testament in all of the violence where he's telling, you know, he's telling uh, he's telling the rulers of, of Israel at the time, whether it was King David or, or one of the judges, he often is leading them in warfare and telling them right. to kill like entire cities of people. Right. Essentially, many times in the Old Testament, he is okaying genocide. Yeah. And so there have been some people who speculated or made the case that maybe the God of the Old Testament is actually the devil mm. that Jesus comes to to like fight against. Now that's a very dangerous thing to say yeah. because what you're and I know that not everybody means it this way. And so I'm not accusing anyone of of this. Sure. But if you're not careful with that, what you're essentially saying is very anti Semitic. Oh yeah. Because 100%. you're saying that Jews Worship, worship the, the devil, devil. Uh, so don't don't that's, do that's, that. That's not the correct way to. Read that, it. That's not a good. That's not a good thing. Right. Um, so it's not. But but it, it does show the issue here that clearly these are very different attributes of God between yeah. old and new, and that's why some people are so confused by it that they think that it's different people. Right. So other ways that people have tried to deal with this Old Testament violence versus New Testament peace is they think that perhaps God was working in different dispensations, different seasons, where in one season He's really violent, but now thank God, good news for us, now He's in the season of peace where he's not violent. Right. So God essentially changes, even though the Bible says that he doesn't do that. And the Bible like straight up says Correct. That he's he doesn't change. Right. Um, so some people, you know, think that we should just ignore the Old Testament violence. We should just basically rip it out and no. pretend like it's not there. No. 
what Brandon and I are of the mind is that uh, the Old Testament violence is there because that shows us what man thought of God at that time. Right. Uh, that that shows us that that's where man's case, that's where man's relationship and understanding of God was. Right. And that Jesus had to come in and essentially correct and show, you know, uh, there's some things you got wrong about me. Yeah. Even to the point of editing Isaiah, you know, to show that I'm not actually that violent God you thought I was. And here's the thing that I love too about Jesus is Jesus came to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Right. Okay. And when we look at that statement, we have to remember that God, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so everything wrong with humanity, Jesus came to show us how to do it correctly. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. But every issue that we have with this violent God, Jesus came to correct. Yeah. So Jesus not only came to, you know, show us how to be human, Jesus came to show us what God is really like. Exactly. When we see Jesus, we see God. And, yeah. and in Jesus, we see again and again, repeatedly nonviolence, right. repeatedly turning the other cheek. You know, you even have him going against the mob violent mentality. Right. Um, one great example of this is when um, you have the woman who was caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. One of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. Uh, that if, we've, we've told many times on the show. Because literally, I spent an entire year mm-hmm. that being like some of the only, I read the Lord's Prayer and I read that story for about six months and that was about it for wow. my entire devotion. Wow. Just, just really capturing the heart of Jesus in in that story. Yeah, it, it's a beautiful story. And, we, and we've been told before, so I'm sure you guys know what we're referring to. Um, but in that story, um, you know, in, in the book Farewell to Mars, Brian Zond points this out so well. Um, man, if we had a drinking game for every time I bring up Zond. Y'all would be plastered. <laughs> I'm sorry. What can I say? Um, anyway, uh, in a Farewell to Mars, he points out that um, in that story, the mob the angry mob wanted to stone this woman. Right. And he says, you know, take note of what stoning is like. Why is stoning the go-to execution method right. of this mob? And he says that what it is is that when, when you have a group of people stoning someone, throwing rocks at someone, it's group involvement. Yeah. And in that group involvement, every individual feels a sense of security or even absolvement of their sins. Because it's not their rock that killed the sinner. Exactly. I just threw one rock. Right. One rock didn't kill that person. They were hit by a hundred rocks. Yeah. So it wasn't really just me. Right. How do how do I know it was mine that really yeah, did it? Mine might I, have been mine might have missed. I for probably hit I their knee. Yeah, exactly. So it's group involvement. We're all in this together. And in that group involvement, you have individual absolvement of sin. Right. And what he showed is that Jesus' death on the cross was a complete opposite of that. Yeah. Because in Jesus' death, you have individual involvement for group absolvement of sin. Yeah. That in the death of one it's person, so good. all are, are free of sin. Um, all are forgiven. Yeah. And so Jesus completely took the mom mentality and, and spun it on its head, essentially. Yeah. It, and then what Jesus said to break up the mob in that story was he said, let he who is out sin cast the first stone. Yep. So what he's saying is, you can go ahead and throw your stone if you want to, but you're going to have to do it individually. You're going to have to do it individually and take stock of what you're doing. Consider what you're doing and say, do I really think this person has sinned more than I have? And by breaking them out of the mom, now it's like you have to come forward and do it yourself. You have to throw that stone by yourself saying, Mm -hmm. I've never sinned before. Yeah. And you have to do it outside of the protection of a group. Yep. So by forcing them to, to take individual responsibility, it dismantled the entire mom mentality. Because a stoning too wasn't like a you know, this person starts and then everybody Mm. joins in. It was very much a public style of execution. Yeah. yeah. Of everybody, get your stones. We're putting this person in the middle of the circle. Mm -hmm. Three, two, one, go. Exactly. Like, it wasn't a, 
throw a rock at someone and someone's like, oh, are, are we doing a stoning? I'm like, oh, I'll pick a rock too and throw it. Like, no, it was yeah. this person's game getting thrown in the center of the town. Mm-hmm. These are their sins. Go find some rocks. We're putting this person to death. Right, exactly. And that angry mob is is exactly how um, this... It, it, it's We still see it today. Yeah. The spooky thing for me was that I first read that story in Feral's Mars about the angry mob the day before the January 6th protests. Oh, how at, or, Well, not protests, riots. Yeah. At uh, the Capitol, which was spooky to have just yeah. read about the violence in the mob and how people do in the mob, but they would never do individually because they feel safe. Right. And then the next day I'm watching as people are, are storming the Capitol building, you know, because yep. they're they're in the frenzied, you know, mob. And listen, OK, I'm going back to normal Brandon mode. OK. All right. I understand there were people there that weren't a part of storming the Capitol. OK, I understand that. But. The amount of people that were there that didn't disavow the violence that mm-hmm. claimed to be Christians mm-hmm. is laughable. And not yet, the it, fact that I saw a cross mm-hmm. being erected next to a gallows and a Jesus saves right next to a we want the head of Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. And Christians thought that that was okay because, well, not everybody was doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is high school crap. That is exactly what I'm saying about the stoning. They think, well, not everyone's, or I'm not personally a part of this. Right. It was what they were doing. Right. You're still in the I group. I didn't you're, throw a stone. You're in the mob. You may not have been the one who broke the window of the of the Capitol building, but you were a part of the mob mentality. Right. You know, the same the people said the same thing about the horrible uh, situation back in Charleston, uh, yeah. where there was that march that ended up being like mostly neo-Nazis. Right. People are saying, well, there are good people in that group. Listen. Certain people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Of high political power in the great country of America. Previously high political power. Previously high political power, saying there are great people in that mob. Right. Previously high political power. Now he doesn't even have a Twitter. Whatever. Uh, anyway. No one specific. Right. Uh, the, the thing about that that ticks me off is that if you're in that protest at January 6th or you're in that march in Charleston and you weren't a part of the violent group or you weren't part of the Nazis like people claim that you were, you would have left. You would right. have gone home. If you were or peaceful, even better, you would have done like Jesus did and knelt down with the accused and protected them. Yeah, exactly. Because that is the model that Jesus gives us. If I'm marching because I'm just like ticked off about a, a statue or whatever, and then all of a sudden I look around and I see people like Nazis doing the Heil Hitler, you think I'm just be like, oh, well, that's interesting. Keep walking. Huh. <laughs> no, you're going to leave. Curious. If, if you're at the protest on January 6th and suddenly you see either on your phone or just by looking ahead in the crowd that they've stormed inside and people are getting shot, huh. you wouldn't just be like, oh, you know. Interesting. Uh, you, you would leave if you weren't a part of that. Right. So no, I say everyone who's there is Or you would the, publicly disavow it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what's getting me is I I'm, I, I don't want to hear, well, not everybody was doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Listen, a lot of these people are adults. Okay. If your kid is at a party and they bust out drugs mm-hmm. and they're like, well, mom and dad, not everybody was doing it and there were good people there. Yeah. You, they'd still get in trouble <laughs> because yeah. that's, a, that's a lazy excuse. Exactly. It's lazy. But yet we use it to justify our actions. Exactly. It's just like uh, what Jesus came to, to topple. Yes. Yeah. That group mentality. So I think that, you know, through the time you read Isaiah and through the Sermon on the Mount, 
Yep. You know, and through him riding in on a donkey, uh, his, his stance against an angry mob, and him in Revelation, all of these things prove that Jesus modeled a life of nonviolence. Yeah. And it's not just about doing the right thing, although it is, but it's, not, it's more than that. It's about the kingdom of heaven completely uh, toppling the kingdoms of earth and, and acting opposed to it differently than this. The kingdoms of earth are very much kingdoms that are imposed through violence. Right. And so the kingdom of heaven is entirely opposite of that by saying we are not, our kingdom is not advanced through the killing of enemies. Right. Our kingdom is advanced through our Savior's own sacrifice. Exactly. And we are told to take our cross every day in case we also need to sacrifice ourselves. Right. That is the Christian mission. It's not to walk into a place that's violent with a security detail of 30 some people or more. It's about walking into that situation with your cross ready. Right. You know, when, when the Bible talks about taking your cross with you, that is signifying you should be prepared to be a martyr if need be. Jesus carried his cross mm-hmm. to the place he was being publicly executed. Yeah, exactly. And we're called to do the same, meaning that regardless of, the, of what stands in our way, we refuse to bow to the evils of this world. We will stand against it even if it costs us our life. Pick up the thing that represents what is going to be the death of you mm-hmm. and carry it into a place where they want to kill you yeah with that thing what that is essentially saying is like handing someone a gun yeah jesus is like okay so take your pistol mm-hmm. walk into a violent country hand it to them and then preach them the gospel yeah essentially it's not like go looking for death right you know but it's saying it's saying you should not be uh, um avoiding some of those things if it happens right. because you should be so embracing the kingdom of heaven which is a kingdom that advances through self-sacrificial love yep and so opposing the kings of earth which is the kingdom saying no 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 you need to be armed to the teeth to defend yourself and to fight for freedom and justice right um, you know, the whole, we have to fight for freedom and justice. That's the rallying cry of the Christian right that supports the military. Yep. But we forget that really Jesus's own execution was in the name of freedom and justice. Correct. You know, we can't use freedom and justice as a, as holy terms that, that sanctify our violence. Right. Because Jesus shows us that true freedom and true justice is in the laying down of your life. Right. And again, I'm very much coming from this from a... Don't kill people for Jesus. That <laughs> yeah. doesn't make sense. Yes. You know, yes. I am not one to say, don't protect your family. You know, mm-hmm. if someone's coming at you, trying to murder you and your family, like, I'm not saying, you know, just die. Right. You know, I'm not saying that you're sinning or you're mm-hmm. doing something wrong protecting your family. Right. right. Okay. What I am, what we are saying is Jesus does not need you to murder people. Yeah, exactly. Jesus does not need you to fight for him. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants you to lay down your life for him. Yes. Like, so I'm very much on the side of protect your family. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying put your family in situations where they can be harmed just for the sake of this weird persecution complex. Yeah. But what I'm saying is if your faith is ever threatened, if your faith in Jesus is ever threatened, Jesus never calls us to be violent against those people. Exactly. Exactly. I think that it's important to know that we're, you know, people say, oh, you guys are, you know, you're being a pacifist. I don't like taking on any kind of label like that other than Christian. Right. It's not that I'm a pacifist, it's just that I'm a Christian. Right. And if somebody tried to threaten my kids, yes, I would make sure that my kids were safe. Correct. But I'm a Christian I'm not, pacifist. I'm Christian for Jesus. I'm pacifist for Jesus. Right. <laughs> what, I, what, what I mean is that it's this idea that the kingdom of heaven has to be enforced through violence. Right. And that anything our, our military does is blessed by God. It's right. the idea that Jesus himself is violent. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of thing I can't stand. Correct. And 
and I think it's a grotesque dis- disfiguring of the picture of Jesus on the cross. One hundred percent. To think that he then came off of it and is handing us weapons and saying like, "Go get them, boys." Right. That is completely undoing the entire Sermon on the Mount. To think yep. that Jesus would preach a Sermon on the Mount only to then return on that same spot and completely undo everything he preached <laughs> right. and say, "Well, I know back then I said, you know, to be peaceful, but never mind, guys." But at this point. Yeah. I'm done trying. Exactly. That, that I think, is completely anti-Christ. Yep. And, um, you know, I think Jesus on the cross is proof that God would rather l- let himself be killed yeah. than kill his enemies. Yep. He would rather die than act in violence towards his enemies. Yep. Because his love is so much more extreme than we can even wrap our minds around that he's showing us, even if you kill me, I will still not act in violence. Yep. And... I don't know, man. Sean, if you're watching, come on our show. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about it. Well, that concludes yet another Monday with the boys. Yes. Um, if we haven't said it already, we are not theologians, so take everything we say with a slight grain of salt. But, you know, we appreciate you sticking around to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I like getting a chance to just express uh, what is on our hearts lately. Yeah. And and for us, you know, we we just believe in a Jesus that radically loves. Yeah. And that is radically inclusive. Right. And we're upset with seeing the Christian right think of Jesus as violent and vengeful. Right. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Yeah. I really do. If you did, uh, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already if you have ring the bell so you know when we uh, upload uh let us know what you guys want us to talk about next in the comments down below uh share the content on facebook or whatever you want to do follow us on instagram at all things reconsidered show and if you really really like what we're doing we do have a patreon yes this is a shameless plug for money there's no Uh, shame at all no we have an awesome discord server it's three dollars a month um you know me and joey are in there talking to people all the time and uh, we just want, if you guys are in this weird deconstruction phase and these videos have helped you, mm-hmm. what will help you even more is being in a community of people that are in the exact same phase as you are. Yes. And our Discord server is growing into that. Um, so come be a part. Uh, yes, we are extending the invitation to everyone who has issues with Sean Fuyu or Foyt. Fuyoy. Whatever. Foyt. <laughs> Who, if you don't like him, you'll like our Discord. You'll like you'll like hanging out with yes, us. Yes, you will. Uh, so, so if that's you, if you're listening today, come and join us. Yep. Um, well, that's it. There's yep. another Monday, and we will see you guys next week. See you guys. <laughs>